Aloha and welcome to the Sandwich Island Network Radio Podcast. My name is Kamaka Brown. Thanks for jumping in. This is the Sandwich Islands Network. V93FM is the Sandwich Islands Network.com. V93FM.com. Aloha. From Bend, Oregon to Nanakuli, Oahu, we are the Sandwich Islands Network, streaming 24-7 just for you. For the Hawaiian and the Hawaiian at heart, Aloha Happens on Sin Radio. Kamaka Brown on V93FM.com. I'm here with Annie Talks, Annie Rivera. What's up, Annie? Nothing much. Oh, look at <laughs> that was like in the hood. What, what, is, what is that, girl? Oh, yeah, I painted oh. a picture of rocking here. Okay. <laughs> Talking about be, being in the hood, we have the a major OG in the house, uh, Uncle Dan Legronio, the yes. OG. Yes, sir. Right here. <laughs> and oh, uh oh. Look like we get Darth Vader over there in the corner. (laughs) It's a party at Sin Radio. By the way, we also have on the phone, and I know he's wondering what the heck is going on, none other than uh, Kumu Kainoa Embernati in New York City. What's up, Kumu? Hey. Hey. Hello. Man. So, Kumu is a Hawaiian island native of uh, Honoka'a. Honoka'a represents. <laughs> yes, Malasada. <laughs> By way of Hilo, and you're now living in New York. You're a musician, Hawaiian language and cultural educator. Um, and my goodness, what a transition from the humble um, uh, residents of uh, Honoka and, uh, and Hilo all the way. I think you told me when we were talking about earlier, you went from Hawaii, the big pineapple, to New York, the big apple. <laughs> yeah, big pineapple with a big apple. Power of big island. Oh, my goodness. Now, you know, you shared um, with me about a house party while you were at UH Hilo and a chance meeting with somebody by the name of Haunani that put you on a very interesting path. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, you know, trying to go into university, um, going to college, actually. It was kind of a big deal in my family, and I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, I had a good friend, and she was in the Hawaiian language program there. She's like, hey, you like all paina? So we went to one of our friend's house, and I showed up, and was kind of tripping out. I was like, okay, kind of plenty older people, and everybody talking Hawaiian. You never really tell me this was going to be a Hawaiian language only party. I don't speak Hawaiian. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, after a couple poo-poo, inu-inu, <laughs> had, um, we had, I had this, I met this woman, and her name is Honani Bernardino. And, you know, she was such a, a, she played a big role in, you know, having me take a look at learning Hawaiian. Um, you know, growing up, it, it was kind of like, oh, you go learn Japanese, go learn Spanish, because that's what a job's at, right? Mm-hmm. And I would never really thought of, learning Hawaiian and becoming a, a successful student, in fact, becoming just successful at all after I graduated. So she she became almost like a second mother to me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the catalyst, I guess, of mm-hmm. my learning Hawaiian. So, you know, all the way from Hawaiian language classes to the master program in Hawaiian literature, 
That is such an amazing journey um, that was almost unintended, but it was meant to be, looks like, huh? Yeah. Um, so I, after I did my uh, undergraduate, I was kind of like, what am I going to do now? And the professors and the staff and faculty at the College of Hawaiian Language at UH Hilo was really supportive, almost like family. So it was like, you should go do the teacher education program. So I did. And with that program, you really take a look at, you know, what is Hawaiian ways or what are some other indigenous practices about creating learning opportunities for our people and for, you know, visiting people um, instead of using Western models. So they had on master's program, you know, after you part a teacher education program, you can actually fulfill a lot of the credits in their master's program. So that was in what? Indigenous language and culture education. And then I was just like super into what I was doing. So I went sign up for the literature, the Masters of Arts in Hawaiian Literature too. So that was kind of, small kind of burnout. <laughs> I would finish one Masters, the other one, I don't know, still dangling in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty intense. But, you know, from what, what I'm hearing is in your heart and your soul, there was this burning desire um, to get your arms around and to embrace the olelo. That, that, that's what that's what I'm oh. hearing. You nailed it. That's exactly it. So let's let's talk about the Hawaiian language just for a moment over here. So Kumo, you have said the tongue is the paddle that navigates the canoe. Can you help us understand what that means? Yeah, I mean, if you have someone at the at the steering of any ship, especially a canoe. And we all know how we all were kind of brought up that when canoe is like one island, that everybody has a kuleana or responsibility, especially the person who's steering it. So we consider not just the symbol of the, the paddle that looks like a tongue, but we consider, you know, a destination where we arrive on a canoe. We start to think about from this, you know, I would say traditional Hawaiian proverb, we start to think about our communication and our listening expression, and how language really starts to shape the relationships um, and the world around us. And so I think from this, from this really awesome Hawaiian proverb, yeah, how the tongue is like the, the steering, of, uh, language is like the, the steering paddle of the canoe. I think if you have a great steersman, you go to great destinations. <laughs> but if you have somebody that's not really proficient, in steering, uh, then, I don't know, maybe Pilikia, <laughs> maybe you enter certain storms, maybe, you know, the whole vog and flip, <laughs> you know, so Pilikia. Mm. You know, but I, I think I, I, it's such a great um, comparison between language and, and canoe, canoe learning. Kumo, I got to share with you because I just had on flashback right now when I was paddling canoe. I was living in Kailua Kona. I was paddling for a canoe club called Kawika Ole Canoe Club, and I was a steersman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so get outside, you know, and um, uh, we outside um, along in front of a Kamehameha, King Kamehameha Hotel. We're going out toward Kona Surf, and um, you know the coach is on board, uh, you know, and, uh, and he's and he's going. You know what, Kamaka, we gotta find somebody with a shorter name because you keep carving your name out um, of, of, by, by steering. You know, you, you're supposed to keep your eyes on a particular point, you know, um, but you keep moving around. We gotta find somebody with only a couple, you know, Kamaka is too long of a name. You, you're carving your name out in the ocean. <laughs> 
How's it about? Hui. Yeah, hui. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to just call you K from now on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Kuma, you also said that everyone who studies Hawaiian contributes to the revitalization of the language. How is this true? Well, you know, as, right now I'm, I'm really enjoying my doctoral learning. And what I'm looking at is language ideology. So the ideas we all have about language and learning and whatever, anything around language. And what I'm finding in some pretty awesome literature is that sometimes, right, in a revitalization movement, these language ideologies can be positive and help out. Sometimes they can be negative. And so I think in my with my students, what I'm trying to have is a really diverse group of people, whether they're living in Hawaii, whether they're not, they're Hawaiian or not, whether they dance hula or any or practice any other cultural, Hawaiian cultural thing or not. But what I think the research is saying about other indigenous, endangered indigenous languages and their revitalization movement is that when there's a diverse community learning the endangered language and producing knowledge and materials, whether it be a Facebook post, an Instagram, a Pinterest page, um, or texting, calling, or like a, today, right now, we're just having a conversation about Hawaiian. The life of that language, it, it starts to expand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not fully revived or saved, but it's just that much more alive. And, and it seems to me with every breath and uh, with every, um, you know, no matter how small the steps are, it is one more step closer to the realization uh, and, uh, like you say, the revitalization of um, the living language that is Hawaiian. You yeah, know? and, you know, I think sometimes in, the, in this Hawaiian language revitalization movement, it's hard because we have elders and descend, direct descendants of those elders who are very important. You know, they're native, and sometimes they're native speakers. But then we have a lot of new people who maybe aren't that native, who never been to Hawaii. But their commitment and loyalty and aloha to just contribute to the best they can comes from a really, really good place. And I think as a community, especially us Hawaiian diasporic peoples, right? All the Hawaiians living outside of Hawaii and plus our families back at home. I think that's where we got to take a look at what kuleana are we doing, you know? Right. How are we um, hosting, you know, which is a traditional Hawaiian practice, ho'okipa, mm-hmm. right? How are we hosting our guests in this movement? That leads me to this, uh, Kamaka, uh, and Kumu, actually to you, Kumu. Now that you're halau has grown, uh, and you have so many learners. I, my question is, is, what is your system for teaching and for the learners to pick up what you're uh, setting out? You know, and mahalo for that question, because I think when I started in 2016, I think we all used to the traditional ways of education, mm-hmm. right? Right. An institution tells you what to learn and how to learn it, mm-hmm. when to learn it, and where to learn it. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that, especially, you know, have, re- requiring my students to pay me. I mean, I didn't have another job. And, you know, living in New York City is not the cheapest place in the world. 
And I think for the first year, I struggled with charging people, you know, especially if they're Hawaiian. How are you going to charge somebody right. when they want to learn about who they are, where they come from, mm-hmm. especially the language? Mm-hmm. And so trying to not go off tangent into tangents here, but um, when a student comes to, the, to Halo, right, I first want to learn their intention. And then I learn what technologies do they use? Where are they located? Right? And, and then we customize and personalize the learning. And if they want to learn in a group, then we network mm-hmm. through social media, through email. Um, we have this one kupuna. She's in hospice. And she, I have classes with her over the telephone. Mm-hmm. Right? I call the landline, her nurse, her caretaker, hooks her up. And then she's like, baby, we can talk 20 minutes. I just like talk story. And then I was in my ohana for one week. Aww. And then the next half hour, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't want to order a textbook. She just wants to me to kind of like help her through it, talk story. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way not only to meet the diver- diverse needs of different learners, but it's a great way for people to feel like they are making a contribution, whether it's in five minutes or mm-hmm. a one-hour class, right. especially for the self-directed learners. I've been trying to set up and learn different technologies where people can just go and, you know, on, on their own time, they can make do the homework, mm. right? So we have a set curriculum, but how people approach it is happens in different ways. So I'm I'm hearing that it's so inclusive. Uh, the, oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and that you are embracing various different, uh, not only learning styles but communication uh, capabilities to reach out to folks so that no one is left out. You know, everybody can can learn and uh, absorb in whatever media they choose to, and that that is, I think, very very amazing. Yeah, you know, and people think I get one whole team, but it's just me. <laughs> you know, and, we're not, and the thing is, you should, the people say, oh, you should go for a grant, you should, you know, any kind. I mean, I do have my nonprofit that I'm developing. Uh, we, you know, 501c3, everything. But for me, one thing I want to challenge too is, you know, I don't want what is happening to the hula to happen to our Olelo. Mm. You know, this industrial complex of only those of cultural wealth you know, have access and prestige uh, in our communities because if it occurs to people who want to help out as cultural authority. And, you know, I don't think I have to talk more about that. We all been to that, <laughs> you know, ho'ike or <laughs> that oh, venue yeah. and it just feels a little uh, uncomfortable sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think Olelo, you know, can really recontextualize a lot of that especially when you know we get new apps coming out like duolingo Hmm. we get uh language drops you know we have these non-hawaiian people making money off helping out Uh so i thought you know i gotta relaunch this program in such a way that it's by everybody Hmm. for everybody that's interested in this work and we do it together worldwide i'm loving it (laughs) you know what come on you know what's going to happen? Uh-oh. You're going to make lots of kala. No. <laughs> <laughs> you said we're going to make plenty what? Kala. You think so? Oh, yeah. You know what's funny, right? When you give all that up and you give it away, that's when people that's really want to donate. That's so we all, I do accept donation, <laughs> but, you know, I, I really am just 
even it's been heavy on my heart dealing with money, and now I just feel so happy, yeah. and I love being generous. Yeah. And you know, now we have Kumuhula, like one Kumuhula based in uh, Reno. Wow. You know, and it's so great because we even get Lomi Lomi Kumu. Mm. We get um, cultural astrologists, mm. linguists. We have stay-at-home moms. <laughs> who are becoming resources, whether Sweet. in Ohio, Lebanon, yeah. Montreal, Sweet. Yeah. for their family, friends who are practicing hula, feather work, whatever they're doing, mm. right? And so it's just like so amazing wow. that these people want to be a contribution to their communities you, just because. You're starting something worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We. So, <laughs> so for our listeners... It's a kako thing. Kako. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good bumper sticker. It's a kako thing. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. I wish that. I could say I made that up, but I heard them someplace. <laughs> so that's not mine. You know, for our listeners that just join us, we're talking to Kumu Kainoa Ebernati, who is uh, in, um, uh, in, in New York, and um, we're talking about halaolelo.org. Uh, and uh, you can go to that um, website and learn all about um, what uh, Kumu is um, uh, has kind of uh, started. You know, he's he's been like the the fire starter behind this, um, and and kind of a um, a rebel rouser. You troublemaker, you you you're up there. You you're, you're breaking the mold. This is this is something. This is something that is out of um, you know the traditional. And um, using the technologies and using, um, you know, th- that what is out there um, to forward the, uh, the VA, to forward, um, you know, toward um, learning the Olelo. And that's awesome. Awesome, awesome. You know, you know where credit's due, though? It's always to the kupuna because when we look at how they use technology, especially the newspaper, mm. always I start to ask myself every day, what would they do? in the year 2019 today mm-hmm. with all of the resources we have. Yeah. So true. So, so true. So, you know, we have a choice to ancestor something now or we just wait. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. in the ground. Yep. Or wherever we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, thank you so much for your time, Kumo. I really appreciate um, uh, your sharing your mana'o with us here today. And um, we're going to tell all of our listeners um, to go to halaolelo.org, learn more about uh, the various different ways that you can learn the um, um, Olelo Hawaii. Uh, and um, you can even you know, get in touch with uh, Kumu Kainoa on uh, his Facebook page, um, Kainoa Ebernati, or um, Halao Olelo Facebook page, and you can communicate that way if you have more questions and, and want to find out more about um, about the learning process. Um, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before um, before we head out to, in our in our va to uh, playing some great contemporary island music? Uh, just a saying that Kumu Haunani Bernardino had always have have us students say before leaving our class, which means you know this gathering of ours has been appreciated. Warmly appreciated. So, mahalo nui, kehui ano kako, and aloha. I'm loving it. Aloha, kumu. Aloha, aloha. To you. kumu. Much success. Okay. Ahui ho. Yeah, ahui ho. And now it's time for the Kolohi Comedy Corner. Brought to you by Franny Watai's Dress Shop. Remember, if you need to make a fashion statement, go ahead. 
Oh, bro, you look bust up. What happened to you? Yeah, I don't like talk about it, okay? Nah, bro, for reals. You look like you got run over by one bus. Yeah, that's not funny, okay? I stay hurting, bro. Oh, so what happened? Oh, you know what? I get plenty stressed from work. You know what I mean? Yeah, you stay like that because of stress. Oh, Lolo, I was reading that get different ways for relieve stress. And one way was for horseback riding. Horseback riding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, outdoors, uh, fresh air. Get this therapeutic horseback riding book I was reading. Hey, it's highly recommended, bro. So you went horseback riding? Yeah, it was great, bro. The book was right. The sun was out. The wind was blowing in my face. Was unreal. Okay, and then? Well, hey, the freaking horse started to go more fast and more fast. Uh-oh. And, bro, I was like freaking out. I started to pull up on the reins. You know, like that. I, it, it was not going good, I tell you, bro. All my stress started to come back, bro. Oh, bro. What you did? Oh, what else could I? I was yelling for help, bro. I was, I was pulling on the reins. I was going, whoa, whoa, boy, slow down, slow down. <laughs> then I figured this thing only gonna get worse. So you know what? I went decide to jump off. Jump off? Are oh, you crazy, yeah, bro? Maybe now, but then it seemed like it was the best plan. <sighs> only thing was, when I went jump off, okay, my boot won't get stuck in the stirrup, and and, and and the horse was still going full speed. Oh my goodness! And, and there I was getting dragged along, my foot in the stirrup, bumping my head, getting dragged. Then, then what did you do? <sighs> what did I do? Was nothing I could do, bro. But I was yelling, I was screaming for help. <laughs> That's what I, I was yelling my guts out, bro. Oh, then what happened? Huh? Then what happened? And the manager from Safeway came out and went pulled the plug out of the socket. Oh, bro, I gonna force crack you so hard. I'll make your head spin. Come over here. I gonna give you stress, cuz. Funny if we had a blooper reel, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, no. we'd, we'd, oh, yes, yeah, it would be. we'd lose listeners. We are sorry. blooper reels. What are you talking about? <laughs> we are the live blooper reels. Oh, we are the live bloopers. We uh, love we love everyone here in the studio. I love yeah. it. I love it. When when we leave the studio though. That's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> Spam Musubi. Yes. I don't Spam. know. Spam. I get hungry already. I know. Is it lunchtime yet? Yeah, almost. No. Almost. Almost. Uncle Clinton. What? As our as our resident foodie. What? Tell us a story about the Spam Musubi. Well, you know, I was on on the internet and I was I kind of ran across, went across, ran across this this item or, or food section thing. Article. Uh, it was, is the, the guy that wrote this article? His name was Arnold Hiura. Uh, anyway, he wrote this thing about foods in Hawaii. Uh, five different things that that people, local people like, mm-hmm. and one of it, one of them was uh, spam musubi. You know, it, it goes back from a long time ago. I when I, when I was a kid, spam musubi was always around. You know, I've been around a long time, <laughs> and spam yes, is. Yes, we know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's a controversy of when spam musubi actually started. Uh, I don't know, for the longest time, you know, I've always had Spam and rice and nori. Yeah, from Smoky Time. Smoky yeah. Time, but somebody said it, it happened in what time? When was that, Kamaka? 83. 83? 83. I, they think 
maybe it was popularized then because the introduction of spam, as we had discussed in, in previous um, segments before, was introduced during World War, World War II, II. Yeah, well, because there was that meat kind of embargo. Yeah, a shortage. Yeah, there type. was a short. Well, they were trying to feed troops all over the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it's kind of tough. And you know, today uh, the, the island residents consume almost 7 million cans of spam annually. Annually? That's a lot of spam. <laughs> I was like, only? That's so Hawaiians consume 7 million cans, cans of spam. We have to find that Hawaiian and stop him. Stop <laughs> it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, save the rest for us. Look for a guy with gout. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> diabetes, yeah. heart disease, oh, my goodness. cholesterol issues. Oh, but I think we found one right here in the school. Oh, but you know what's really funny? Like, I, I don't know where who took this picture, but I, on Facebook, someone posted a picture of a can of spam inside a locked acrylic box on the shelf. Say <laughs> in case of emergency, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then to prevent people from taking, I guess. But it was so funny. Oh, like funny. spam is so popular that you have to lock it up and put it yeah. on the shelf. Right. You have to ask permission to buy it. I was like, that's <laughs> funny. That but is you know, so you can, funny. You can buy spam moves to be everywhere. Gas everywhere. stations. You go to. Any, any place. Even here in Kalipani, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here in California, mm-hmm. spam must be huge. At, at first, I was thinking, oh, that's just something we have, yeah. right? And when I bust it out anywhere, you know, at work or whatever, the holidays come by, like, oh, you have spam city. <laughs> oh. And I was like, how you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that stuff. Can I have? No, you cannot touch it. I broke your fingers. But you know, spam musubi. I back in the when I was growing up, it wasn't called musubi. It was actually called nigiri. Nigiri is basically what anything wrapped up in rice with with nori on. And I remember back in the days, musubi was with the little ume in the middle, the little preserved plum. Or taquan inside. Yeah, my, uh, you know, my grandmother used to make us the musubi with the um, right, instead of the ume in the middle. You know, the uh, the fried salmon skin. Oh, oh that thing yeah. Was, oh no, my grandma was the best cook ever. My mom <laughs> used to put um, tuna, um, shoy- with with shoyu, in, you know, yeah. little bit, right, little um, shoyu yeah. and. Um, Right? Vinegar, so, vinegar a little bit, right? Sugar, yeah. And that's what I remember too inside. In the middle. In the, in the middle. middle. Yeah, that so was on. That was a little prize inside. The and middle. if my mom was mad at me, she would leave the seed in the. <laughs> yeah. <email. laughs> so, so when you, so when you bite in it, you crack your teeth. Yeah. It's like, oh, mom must be mad. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Oh, you know, another funny thing is like, you know, this whole Pokemon thing that all the kids are yeah. excited mm-hmm. about. I remember the Pokemon TV show, and you know, Pokemon is in Japan, and the TV show is an anime. I remember. Seeing the characters, they're eating a picnic, and they were eating, eating musubi and ni- uh, nigari, yeah. um, and they were, you know, trying to make it for Holly kids, and so they were like, "Oh, you know, we're eating donuts." <laughs> <laughs> like, "Oh, you know, you, you know, he, the Pokemon stole your donut. You better go get it." And mm. then it's like, "No, that's not donut." Even my yeah. sisters, you know, this was in Hawaii. They're like, "That's not donut. That's musubi." And I'm like, "I know, sweetie, but you know, yeah. well, the yeah. other kids won't know that, so they have to make it something familiar." They're not even special like us. <laughs> but I think so. the popularity hit its peak when the box form that you could I, make the spam musubi. Yeah. Before it was all handmade, you know, you yeah. form it by hand. But um, folks began to see the popularity of it, and some are plastic. They made a little mold. They made a mold. Polyurethane mold. So now you can buy either wooden ones or the, the poly- polyurethane. polyurethane. And yeah. that 
indicated the incredible popularity right, right mm -hmm. of the spam used to be um, as well yeah you remember, when I was a kid I remember you used to be so embarrassed eating a musubi why? I used to yeah I don't know why <laughs> we're local but we used to go in the corner with a little brown paper bag and take it out and nibble at it put it back in the bag <laughs> it makes sure nobody sees you but, <laughs> that's you know, funny I think it stems back to the plantation days uh, of our you know prior generations yeah you know, and and so the 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 economic perspective was man you're just a plantation worker you know that's just true it was a certain stigma yeah. a certain stigma yes well right. you know what though the that plantation food based oh, on the man. different cultures it created the the common modern local mm -hmm. what's considered Comfort. hawaiian food local yeah. cuisine, yeah. yeah. so yeah. local cuisine is so diverse and it's kind of a conglomeration of so many different cultures yep. which is you know spam musubi is right yeah. there just like simon lunch all that stuff mm -hmm. that's how local moko came about yeah so uncle clinton uh posts on the sandwich island network radio facebook page um Many, many, many uh, postings and articles that are food-oriented, and we appreciate that. Thank you so much. And recently you did post um, a very, very nice um, comment that was, I think it was Hawaii Food News. Was that where that was from? Yeah, I, text, I just saw it on the Internet. Someone sent me a, an email, and I said, you know what, this is interesting. And I got a very. lot of comments about it. I said, mm. well, I can't, I can't take credit for it. It's somebody <laughs> else. So what we'd like our listeners to do then is uh, to check out the Facebook page of uh, Sammy John Network Radio. Uncle Clinton posts um, just about daily, um, uh, multiple times during the week. And um, one of his posts gives you some of the background of uh, some of the favorite foods like malasada, saimin, mm -hmm. spam musubi, boiled peanuts, plate lunch, and all Stuff of that. Stuff we enjoy so, in the island. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So check it out, Uncle Clinton's post as uh, the Sandwich Island Network Radio Sin Crew foodie right here on v93fm.com. I think we should play something, one song about spam musubi oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. I is there a so? song? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We have multiple songs. Well, I say, more than one, more than one. Wake up. Let's listen to some. I've been listen. gone for 10 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Here's a song about Spam Musubi. Four, five, six, 
chopsticks, 79 tastes so divine. Ten, let's do it again. on our Sandwich Islands Network Radio Podcast. See you soon. Aloha. Aloha.